the galaxy is burning. Brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adherent of the Mechanicum, or a brave mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find a home here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, coming to you from within the depths of the Vengeful Spirit. get right into this then pat are we live uh we've been live for about 10 minutes yeah very good so david my man what have you been up to well man it's been a good heresy week uh i got in my solar auxilia um the last batch painted by dave samson black label painting and they're fucking gorgeous, man. Um, Dave went over the top, magnetized like everything you could possibly magnetize. The fucking um, sponsoons on the Valdors, uh, every option possible. Like, I didn't even know you could take a heavy flamer on a Valdor tank hunter, but <laughs> apparently you can. Just for those one. times, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who knows when you may need a heavy flamer on a Valdor tank hunter, but. Uh, yeah, man, they're they're uh, they're they're super beautiful. Um, I'm I'm bringing them to the event uh, next week, so not both of them because that would that would be uh, that that would be a little whack for 1,500 points. Actually, I don't even think you could, right? One Wait, heavy. yeah, there's only one heavy support yeah. option. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm not. So so yeah. Um, but no, they're they're uh, they're beautiful, man. I'm super pleased. Good heresy week. Um, that would alone make it a good heresy week. Uh, but uh, no, I think we've just been uh, been cranking on all fires, man. Yeah, we're getting we're about to crank in to a lot of events coming up. So yeah, definitely been busy with that. Yeah, we're gonna see any of your assassin cult out there for any of these events, man. You know, I kind of uh, yeah, that's on me. I kind of fell down on that one. Should I? Should I bring them back? They were always fun, man. I mean, yeah, we used them that one time and they were a blast. I say it, I'll leave it up to you. The, the great thing about them is we can throw them into a mission without like having to plan around it or anything. You can just show up the day and be like, "Hey guys, got four sets and who wants them? Let's roll for them." And then boom, fucking integrate them and have fun. I like it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, we could give it as like a bonus to the first four people to register or something like that. Yeah, or maybe the something. First, you know, who knows? Yeah, the, the, the first. Uh... First D forty three event guys, right? If this is your first. If this is your first. Yeah, event, there you go. That's that's perfect. good. That'd be fun for the new players, yeah. I think we're having uh, at least one or two new guys coming, so that'd be yeah, awesome. definitely. Also, do you see Black Label painting cranking out two Warlord Titans in time for Adepticon? Yeah, holy shit, dude! He's already got like the metal skeletons done. The basing he's already working on. It's a dude is a monster when it comes to the hobby, D- Dave. Is uh, he is a he's a is a resource for Heresy Man. I think he he probably single handedly uh, cranks out an army that ends up a fully painted army, a beautifully fully painted army that ends up in in somebody's hands at least once a month, probably more. Um, but yeah, that dude is is making Heresy happen. Um, it's fucking crazy. Will like. When we were at uh, the the Williamsburg muster, you've heard this story, I think, before, right? So this dude shows up from Maryland, from Baltimore to Williamsburg, Virginia, 
and he's got a custodes army that's just gorgeously painted walks over to my table where i've got like my one custody unit with a you know grab tank um and he's like hey man where'd you get that and i was like um black label painting and he was like well no shit he's like i got the other three-fourths of that army and then we went oh that's right that yeah yeah that's pretty fucking awesome dude yeah yeah so so big props today about it black label painting man just fucking making heresy happen for for everybody and uh hey fuck we should have him on the show one day yeah what the fuck dave if you're listening to this get him on are you listening to me david get him on yeah he's sure. your go-to guy we need him on definitely at least for i mean if he's down with giving tips i'm i'm like a sponge i'll soak up whatever he gives me man yeah. if he wants to give tips like how he's able to what i would like to hear how does he stay motivated to continue to do this? Like I get painters burnout. Does he get painters burnout or is he able to overcome that and just keep going? 100%. That's what I want to know. I want to hear like not just hobby tips, but like life tips for the hobby <laughs> quality of life tips. You know what I mean? Cause the dude, the dude's able to, I'm watching the, the video on Facebook now and it's just unbelievable. These two warlord Titans, the quality that he's able to pursue and accomplish in such a short amount of time. But let's keep the ball rolling. Thank you, David, for that. Let's move on to Jason. Evening, guys. Let's see. Uh, not too much going on for me. Just uh, starting a new job this week. So I am frantically trying to get six Skylax painted for uh, the game on March 17th this weekend for uh, my little... Uh, Malagra Mechanicum list. So other than yeah. that, not too eventful. They're going to be pretty cool, man. I, I don't think I've ever seen you run your Skylax before. So it'll be fun to see them on the table. It is going to be entertaining. Uh, I just figured out a few weeks ago that a stock Archmagos Prime, I've been used to using a Archmagos Reductor. Uh, he has to choose between the Machinator Array and a Rad Furnace, but the stock Archmagos Prime can take both. Fuck you. So negative one toughness to everything he's in combat with and plus one toughness and that uh, sweet little air shredding power axe attacks. Pretty good. Yeah, man, that's solid. That is that is good. I think my favorite thing about your army is every time I see it at an event, there's something new added to it. And there's always it's always shifting. I do like to make sure everybody I'm playing against is having fun. So if I'm running something that's just kind of, you know, knocking over sandcastles, I like to keep it moving so, you know, people can get new experiences when they play me. Yeah, yeah. Keeps your opponents on your toes, too, so they don't always know, like, oh, well, I know he's going to bring XYZ, so let me bring ABC that can counter XYZ, you know? Oh, yeah, that's a, uh, so a very strategic a too. sense too, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's been good. Also, uh, did you go see the disaster artist I heard? It was pretty amazing. Not this is lie. now a movie podcast, everybody, so I hope you like movies. Let's go, Jason. I like James Franco all right. I like his uh, little brother pretty all right ever since 21 Jump Street. Uh, and, I mean, The Room is a unintentional comedic movie legend, so I feel... It's almost like a documentary that you should probably see, like right up there with Ken Burns and uh, David Attenborough. Yeah, absolutely. It is. I can't wait to see it, man. Definitely. Uh, we'll keep this rolling. Pat, what you up to, man? Not a whole lot, man. Um, All right, far. moving on then. Oh. Thanks, Pat. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
<laughs> um, as far as heresy and hobby and stuff, essentially all I've really done is uh, finally painted up my little uh, custom Master of Signals. But uh, that's about it, man. Uh, was Again, trying- do you need a Master of Signals for your... Um- yeah, for your uh, Legion Rite of War. Yeah, the Black Reaving. I was about to say yeah. Alpha Strike, and I'm like, well, that's not the name of the Rite of War, but that's what it does. Yeah, so I've devised a um, a mean-looking all Reavers as troops list, and uh, I'm eventually going to try it out against some of Jason's Thousand Sons. So you got Reavers with jump packs. You got Reavers and pods or anything like that? Yeah, so two squads of uh, Reavers with jump packs with my custom Praetor, and then a pod full of Reavers with, uh, I'm deciding between Combi Plasma or Combi Volkite, because they get the Assassin's Eye, which gives them both Precision Strike and Precision Shot. But they also have that, um, uh, what is it? The Death Strike Death or whatever? Yeah. Death Dealers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's Rapid Fire and Assault? Yep. I'd go Plasma, man, personally. That's what I would do, Combi Plasma. I think that'd be pretty solid. You'd be able to snipe out Sergeants with Artificer Armor or Apothecaries with Artificer Armor if you get those precision shots. And then BS5, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm super excited. So. Yeah. Ryan, what have you – or I'm sorry, Robbie, what have you been up to, my man? Uh, not a whole lot. Actually, been getting in more games than usual. I'm trying to get, get my uh, self – ready for Adepticon, because I kind of last minute impromptu decided that it's something I wanted to do, and so it's my first one, and I just want to go in, make sure I get all my rules right, Uh, so yeah, playing a lot of BFG, which turns out, I fucking love that game, Um, I don't know, I think I was just born uh, 10 years later than when I should have been born, because... Yeah, you love uh, all those specialist games, right? Oh, man, I love them, you know, and that's what I'm so excited about Adepticon, is because it's it's like the, the old hammers, like Paradise. It's got, you know, Necromunda, BFG, Epic. So I'm going to get in as much as much as I can, really. Uh, I'm just going to go ham, and I might just might not come back. I don't know. Depends. Just stay at Adepticon forever. <laughs> Adepticon forever. No, uh, no, it's been a pretty good week. I've been building uh, salamanders like crazy lately. Uh, I just I'm just tired of touching plastic. And uh, see the last game I think I got with you was yeah with you Will we had a we had a great game I got to go against your your Iron War no Iron Hands my bad oh, yeah yeah that was a good game you were a piece of garbage for saying that <laughs> Iron Warriors don't ever know <laughs> my bad no it was a fun game oh uh, it was definitely great I actually finally got to use the Castigator to its full full uh, epic epicness and that Tempest Strike is no joke like literally killing dozens of marines at a time and it's yeah. something about, yeah brutal like, dude yeah i mean you don't swing the hit you go at initiative two so you're still beating all the melta bombs so every time they come into base contact at initiative four you know they're swinging with close combat weapons so you're not doing any damage initiative two everybody in base gets a strength 10 ap2 defragrich hit it's like Good lord! It's like you can't stop it. It was pretty good. Um, and David, you put a heavy flamer on a Valdor if you have a tank commander on there, so they get the Overwatch. Bro. That's why you put a ha- heavy flamer on there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to be careful for that Overwatch yesterday. The fucking Arl attacks. It diddled my Valdor. 
Robbie, you bringing your BFD to Adepticon? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, My what I've what I've got on the the schedule so far is uh, arriving Thursday, doing Necromunda by night. Uh, then Friday, doing the Heresy singles tournament. Saturday, doing the Gameza conflict doubles, and then Sunday's BFG. Oh fuck! They have a they have a BFG on the schedule. Yeah, it's a BFG tournament. What? Who's running that? I don't know. All right, bro. Uh, you're cool enough to run a BFG tournament. You're cool in my book. Fucking report back to us on that one, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, this is the reason I've been trying to get so much BFG in lately. It's like I want to, you know, go in and and look like I got my shit together. I don't go and be like, oh, what's yeah, and this then be game? like, hey, I just started playing a month ago, guys. <laughs> like oh what is this armada yeah yeah this is like x-wing right <laughs> yeah say like, no but other than that man that's been that's been what i've been up to yeah very cool very cool thanks man um it was a great game by the way i'll talk more about it when we come to my segment uh ryan what have you been up to man hey everybody uh so this last week or so um i have been uh mostly painting um I have been working on some Ursaracs for Mechanicum, so I painted them up from scratch on a whim about two weeks ago. And then I went through, um, I have about 14 Thalax and some Myrmidons and a Magos Myrmidox that I went through and updated uh, the color scheme on all my Mechanicum to meet the Ursaracs. So I, basically they were like a, a brass and silver, uh, really worn down looking originally. And then I just added some highlight colors. Uh, I wanted to kind of make the army pop a little bit more and then uh yeah so 20 something models 24 models actually which will be my 1500 point force for the event this saturday uh yeah, it looks so, amazing dude i watched you you were keeping us up to date with uh, progress and it was just a blast to watch that you did come back and say that uh you were having trouble with the decals though yeah original so <laughs> this is a weird thing um you know i got the forge world uh mechanicum decal sheet right and I was going through, I picked all my decals for my Thalax, all my cyborgs, and I cut them all out, trimmed them all out, and the damn things, these are the smallest decals on the sheet, don't even fit on the shoulder pads of a Thalax, which is like, kind of blows my mind. Um, so basically, I had to trim off some of the details, the tops and bottoms a little bit, uh, to make them actually fit on there. So I think that's probably, either I'm a big retard, and I can't figure out how to make these things fit in the three-dimensional space, or they were a little bit off when they printed those decals. Both are viable options, Ryan. Let's not lie. I know. I know. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the decals turned out really well. Uh, I added some nice green as a kind of accent color, updated the shoulder pads. I think they look pretty tight. So I'll be running. Uh, it's going to be 1,500 points, and then I'm running a Centurion list in your event, even though it's not a Centurion event. Um, but I figure with, you know, 20-plus cyborgs and some Myrmidons, they'll be okay. So it should be oh, fun. yeah. No, you'll totally struggle, sure. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so sorry then, for you, Ryan. I know, I know. It'll be hard. Uh, I love the uh, diversity in your, like, Myrmidons and that kind of stuff. Like, you've got some with the – you're rocking some with the bolters and some plasma and, the, uh, the you know, the haywire. Oh, so guns. you love that. Okay. So yeah, that's the, I like the, that. Like, it, that's the some default people are like, from uh, Forge World, right? So um, I, when I bought them, I didn't think, hey, maybe I should, like, think about what weapon options I'm going to put on these guys. 
and I just glued on what came with the pack and then uh, sure. found out it's not necessarily an optimal loadout. No, no, it's not. But the fact is you've got like a Swiss Army unit. You need to deal with armor, you can throw some haywire shots. You need to deal with some terminators, you got a couple plasma there. You got bolters for infantry or for mortals, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not specialized, but it is so obviously if you're a jack of all trade, you are a master of none. But you're still a jack of all trades, so you're still kinda good at a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I think uh so I use my Myrmidons uh as a counter assault unit, because they are very slow. Um, do they have like, defense they are, grenades? They do not have defense grenades. Um, but what? Well, I say counter assault. As in, I put them in my backfield, probably close to an objective, and then anybody that's going to deep strike, outflank, like outflanking vets or whatever, these guys can do pretty handy work against them. Um, and most people underestimate them because they don't have a great reputation in heresy. Um, but you know, they all have power axes. They all have a three up, five up. Um, so they're pretty decent. Two wounds. Toughness five, so they can hold their own if they actually get into combat. They just never really ever get into combat. But you know, which is crazy because they look like I always call them space lumberjacks. Because <laughs> they, they got those big ass axes that could just cleave down trees. You know? Yeah, they they look cool. They they're one of my favorite looking models, uh, and they're so it's fun to actually work them into a list. I, for about. A year there, I'd never played with them. They kind of just sat on my shelf, but I've been trying to work them into lists just because they're fun to put on the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, thanks, Ryan. That was good. Yeah, and uh, I look forward to seeing you down here, man. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. Yeah, so on that, uh, we'll, I'll plug it at the end, but we are doing a 1,500-point event next Saturday. Registration has closed for anybody interested, so if you're hearing this, too late. You missed it, but we'll have another one coming up. Don't worry. The next one uh, is going to be 2,000-point Centurion, so I think that'll be a lot of fun. Um, and that'll be the following month. Uh, but yeah, so I'll talk more about that at the end. Uh, but me, uh, let's see. This week, I cranked out a lot. I cranked out two Raven Guard HQs, and I cranked out a 10-man tactical squad that bolstered the, tw the the first, well, it's the second half of a 20-man tactical squad. So these guys were all Iron Hands in Mark IV, uh, all still Clan Sargal from the first part. So it's nice to see Mark IV and Mark III mixed in there because I was looking at the cover of the book from Shattered Legion, and uh, or I'm sorry, Medusan, the cover of Medusan. And, you know, it's got Shadrach up there in front, and he's got, like, ter Gorgon Terminators and then some of the uh, Forge uh, Fathers there. Um, and then he's got Mark four Marines and then Mark three Marines all with him, and, you know, Salamander's Raven guard and all that shit. So that's, that's exactly the kind of theme I wanted to go where it's just a complete mishmash of dudes that are all coming together to kill shit. So, yeah, those are looking really good. Will. thank you very much, man. Is it's, this for your infiltrating or infiltrating land Raider list? Well, uh, look, okay. So let's talk about that. Let's break <laughs> that down. I had an epiphany last Saturday, uh, this idea was sold to me by Robbie, uh, and it's a pretty good idea, right? Um, first off, he tried to sell me on a Rhino. How, how'd you how'd you describe it, Robbie? It's like you went in to trade in for a minivan and you end up upgrading to a Lamborghini. No, you had a Prius, and you decided you got the Hummer. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. So the idea was to take some more Dathan. I originally have them in a Dreadclaw, so I own the Dreadclaw. I'm going to build it, paint it, still use it. 
But the idea was then to put him into a rhino because a rhino can infiltrate if it's a dedicated transport and then it can still scout because it has their rules attached to it, right? If any of you guys hear this and the rule, and this sounds like crazy rules, then uh, let me know because I'm pretty sure that dedicated transports get the unit's ability. If the unit that they're attached to has infiltrate and scout, the dedicated transport gets a two, right? Ryan, am I correct on that? That sounds correct. Okay. So, in Head of the Gorgon Rite of War, any unit that can take, and it's not any Legion of Stargate's Iron Hand, it's any infantry unit that can take a Rhino as a dedicated transport may instead take a Land Raider as a dedicated transport. So then I said, well, I guess I could just throw more Dathan in a Land Raider and have it infiltrate and scout. So... That was an idea, and I was like, holy shit, that is so ridiculous. How would you explain that as far as narratively? Like, oh, we had a we had a recon team go out in a land raider, all sneaky squirrel-like. We painted it purple. Don't worry, nobody can see it. There you go, right? It's like but the idea sports. then. Yeah, the idea would be to infiltrate 18 inches away, right? Because you're going to be able to see the land raider your opponent will. And then you'll scout six inches closer. Or actually, I think in a tank, when you scout, you can go 12 inches up. Um, either way, 12 or 6 inches. Um, and then in your movement phase, you'd move another 6, disembark the Mordathan, and you'd be in rapid-fire range of their uh, plasma, and then you'd do a fatal strike. And then uh, conduct a fatal strike with rending precision shot. Well, I don't know if they have precision shot, but rending plasma, which is cool. Because then you can t- effectively take out armor 15 with them. There's no part of this that I like. No, none at all. But we were like, is that a real fucking thing? Can you do that? So that's what I've been trying to do is think of how many other broken things can you do with Shattered Legion? Because I know you can do some really ridiculous stuff. Um, and that so far has been probably one of the most ridiculous ones I've seen so far. But uh, let's see. What else? Um, played a game with Ravi. I made huge tactical blunders everywhere. Uh, I brought in my lightning and I put it within range of his quad gun and it intercepted me and shot me down. And I, well, I'm sorry. It got a penetrating hit and then I was vector locked. And then I rolled the grounding tests and I got a one and I crashed just right then. And I was like, well, fuck. So it was all downhill from there. He warned me and he was such a gentleman. I know Robbie, you were such a gentleman. You were like, Hey, uh, you should probably do this. This is what I would do. Because if you if you do this, I'm going to do this. And I was like, fuck you. I'll do what I want. I'll live my life. And it was the worst decision I made of the game. Let me live my life. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. And everybody, it was that, and that, that was the one moment everybody's gathered around the table to watch what happens. And I was like, well, I look like the dummy now, don't I? A ballsy dummy. Yeah. I tried on it. Only the bold. Um, but. Yeah, so that's been me, just painting and getting games in. Um, but let's continue on with our segments. We've got uh, omission section, where I'm going to talk about the strike team. Jesse talked about it last week. I'm going to clear up a couple things. Um, and then we're going to go into creating communities, since Ryan is recently been picking up steam in Maryland, creating a community up there. Um, I was able to help create the Richmond 30k with the help of all these fine guys in here uh, community. So, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about how people who want to get communities going can do it in an effective way. Uh, we were going to have our buddy Matt on who is in, uh, where's he at now, Ryan? He's in um, 
It's not in El Paso. El Paso, that's it, yeah. So he's in El Paso, and he's trying to get a 30K community going. We weren't able to get him on, though. Um, but if he does come on, we'll, we'll bring him in again, and we'll, we'll talk. But, um, yeah, we're going to talk about getting communities set up. And then after that, Jason and David are going to take us through and wrap up. Are we wrapping it up, Jason, or are we just continuing on? I can't remember. So this is going to be the last episode of the Zhao Arcade Mechanicum uh, around their personal Titan Legion, the Legio Zestabiax. Yeah. So we're sorry we haven't been able to finish this. I know it was a good story to follow. We, we kept it up with two episodes and, uh, you know, we just weren't able to fulfill it on that our last episode, but we got you guys this week. So stick around. We'll finish up the uh, that little, those fucking traitor robot alien loving dudes. Well, alien technology using dudes. All right, so stick with us, and we'll be right back with uh, omissions. All right, guys, we're back here with omissions. Um, I want to talk about the strike team, and the strike team is a super badass event we got going on at Nova. 2018, I'm hosting it, so you know it's going to be badass. Oh, yes. It is all about the hobby. For this event, there are not going to be any rewards given for gameplay, except maybe like a handshake and a shake and a good job. Um, it is all about hobby. All the awards are going to go for like best painted, best modeled, best backstory, and best theme. Um, Rules-wise, let's get into this. People keep asking me about rules. These are using standard 7th edition rules. The only changes that are made are in your list and how you construct your list. Um, the Force Organization is 2 Heavy Support, 2 Elites, 2 Fast Attack, and 6 Troops. And this means that you're not going to be able to bring any HQs. So where do you get like your leaders from then, I guess? Well... Any character model, not char- not um, independent character, but any character model can be your strike team leader. And as a strike team leader within the uh, rules, we've got special leader traits. They're like miniature warlord traits, right? Um, so some things will like increase your command range to 12. And what a command range is, is it's just for leadership checks. So... Your guys can use your commander's leadership instead of their own, right? Um, Little things like that. The way it's also played is every model is its own unit. So it's pretty much, you'll be familiar if you've ever played something like 7th edition Kill Team. Super simple rules. Why, as I said, or as Jesse mentioned, people are going to be tired. They're going to be hungover. They might still be drunk. And I don't want to have a whole new rule set in there that people have to try to remember on Sunday, the last day there. This is just to come and show off those badass painted models and converted and, you know, share your stories with us and create new stories with us. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, So we've made some additions like sisters, like we're, well, what was it? Talons of the emperor can be used, right? But I don't want a bunch of spammed custodes. So only characters, which means you're only able to bring one custode. The rest of your list is going to need to bring sisters. And we've ignored the uh, cadre command rules for sisters. So you can bring sisters without bringing an HQ. So there's none of that whole, like, you need to bring three, or you need to bring one HQ for three troops. None of that. But I'd love to see lists like that, where it's like one custode who's leading a squad of sisters to go out and deal with some psychers. 
or lists like a Suzerian uh, who's leading a bunch of ultramarines from uh, Kalth. Or, Ryan, do you want to go over what your list was? Like, give us a quick rundown. Yeah, so basically um, I decided to do, because uh, I've been planning on doing it anyway, uh, some Kalth-era uh, ward bearers. So basically a small strike force that's led by a Terminator. I've got some um, ward bearer, you know, um, I guess... <clears throat> specific units. So I've got a couple Ashen Circle in there. I kind of maximized. I got some tacticals, some tactical support, some heavy support. Um, yeah, and I wrote up some fluff on it, and I plan on just going hyper into the hobby on making those guys look as exactly. cool as I can. Yeah. So, like, for me, I really want to do Ultramarines. I've been wanting to do Ultramarines for a while, but I never want to do a whole army. But I definitely want to do a strike team of Ultramarines. My idea is it's led by a Suzerian, and the Warlord trade I'm giving him or the leader trait I'm giving him is going to extend his command range to 12 inches instead of six because the ultramarines have a rigid command structure. So it's very in line with the theme. And then I'm going to have some breachers in there and they'll have power swords. And I got some terminators and they're going to be cal survivors. So I really want to get a game in with you. We're fighting in the, uh, archeology. span Is that what it's called? The archeology? span arc, archeology. Archeology of Calf, man. That is going to be, be awesome. so fucking cool, right? Oh, for sure. And David, you mentioned bringing Solar Auxilia. Uh, so you're like, well, I really can't fill in 300 points with mortals. So what we've done is we've created a rule called uh, Tiny Tercios. And what that is, is it still uses the same idea for a Tercio, where one slot is for three units, except for Militia and Solar Auxilia, one troop slot is three models. So you're still able to, you know boost your points up and still bring some models and that kind of stuff. So we've tried to accommodate all the armies. Anybody who wants to participate can, so long as their stuff is fully painted, they have their, like, their backstory, and it's not about competitive play at all. And I really want to see what people can do in the hobby. You know, Pat, do you have uh, any idea for the strike team? So I was actually thinking about doing a Istvan kind of theme with, um, like, Emperor's Children, uh, Death Guard, or... Let's see, Emperor's Children, um, World Eaters, and like Sons of Horus. Yes, absolutely. And that's another thing. Yep. So you are completely allowed to do Shattered Legions. Again, this is all model. It's all about the hobby. Um, and all units maintain their special rules. So, you know, like if you're taking a Mordathan as your leader, that Mordathan is going to have Fatal Strike. So, you know, and all of his Legion of Stardews that goes with him. Hey, Will, can you... Can you give us an idea, or can you people who are listening an idea of like how the gameplay is going to work or like how the tables are going to be laid out, what the scenario is, and, and like how people are going to be matched up day of? All right, so let me start with that. Tables, they're going to be on four by fours, and it's going to be densely packed terrain. Not Zone Mortalis so much because I don't want people to be bogged down in Zone Mortalis rules but very tight corridors or tight packed terrain that you'll have to navigate through. Uh, the missions and the reason you're there are all black ops stuff. So that's all OPSEC. I'm keeping all that till the day of, awesome. but matches will be done obviously first by grudge matching sort of thing. So if I have ultramarines and Ryan has word bears, it's only right that we play against each other. Yeah. Fucking perfect. Oh, that's going to happen. That's yeah. happening. Um, It'll take precedence where, you know, like if your army should be battling each other, you'll go first, right? So if uh, you've got a 
a, somebody who's playing Loyalist Emperor's Children, Death Guard, and Sons of Horus wants to go up against Pat, who's playing Traitor, Death Guard, Emperor's Children, and Sons of Horus, then that's Instavon 3, and they're doing it. You know what I mean? Death to the False Emperor, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It should be. So um, there's obviously some people are talking about, you know, well, how can I win this sort of thing? And again, I want to emphasize, guys, you shouldn't come here with an idea of how to min-max a list. This is you're not going to get anything from and Max in the list except be known as that guy. This is about allowing people who love the hobby, who love the fluff to just really get into it, you know, and create these little stories of these small strike teams like you read about in the book, um, like Garrow when he's going out and he goes back to oh, spoiler alert. Just let me actually not talk about Garrow because there's some good stuff in there. But you know how Garrow would operate as a single individual and he'd go out and find a couple people to go do some badass shit with. If you want to make a list that's all knight errants, fucking do it, man. Just use your standard Legion of Stardust rule where you can pick one of those three rules like uh, what is it, Crusader or uh, Stubborn or whatever, you know, and then roll them all out as, quote, knight errants. It'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm super looking forward to yeah. Yeah. Go ham on it, guys. Just show me show me what you can do when you're given like free reign of the hobby. I'm looking forward how many to land can I bring? What's that? I said how many land raiders can I bring? Zero. This is all infantry. You can bring one vehicle, but it's pretty much a rhino or a uh what are the uh speeders? Yeah. The javelins. Yeah. Uh armor value can't exceed 33 all around. So if you want to bring a land raider, and, you know, change the rules to where it's got uh, 14 armor front, 14 armor rear, and then zero armor on the side. By all means, Robbie, you go right ahead, man. Zero armor? <laughs> just, just like paper mache. They couldn't afford armor plates on the side, so they use just paper mache. It's like a Prius. Yeah, yeah, just like a Prius. I don't know. I think I'd rather be in the Prius. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So... Those hobbyists out there, those golden demon winners, the guys who don't like to do the big 3,000-point games, I want to see what you can do with 300 points. Yeah, and that's my challenge to any any of you hobbyists, who, who any of you people who claim to be hobbyists. You get 300 points to create a narrative list. So let's see it. Will, what are, what's the time again, just for people who may not have registered yet? Uh, it's uh, Sunday of Nova. I can't remember the date. I think it's the 2nd, September 2nd. At uh, 9 o'clock is when it will start. And we'll finish, because the games are only going to be like 45 minutes apiece, we're finishing shortly after noon. Probably 2 o'clock is when we'll do awards and that kind of stuff. Perfect. And you better sign up quick. There's only uh, 9 tickets left. Damn. Yeah. And uh, I tried to finish that up so people could get to their, uh, uh, what is it, the the palette awards and that kind of stuff. So, you know, you could finish that up and then move on to your other awards that you might be doing. But, yeah, that's all I have. If you guys have any other questions, feel free to ask me on the uh, Nova 30K page. Just at William Lancaster me, and uh, I'll respond. Or if you come up with any crazy, like, rule-breaking things like Jesse did, where he's like, the Tech Marine isn't technically a character. I appreciated him pointing that out, because I was able to go into and FAQ that in the list building to where Tech Marines are characters in this event, by the way. Would make perfect yes. sense. As, yeah. they should, as they should. Yeah, exactly, right? And like, that's clearly a typo. You may want to check that out. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, that's it, guys. Uh, we'll go ahead and then uh, move into community building then, right? After uh, we take a quick break. Sounds like a plan. All right.
we're talking about community now. So you recently started a community up in Maryland. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, there was already a community, but it was pretty disparate. So I, I tried to, me and uh, another guy, Bo, and some other folks that we were in a chat together decided to try to build this into something a little more cohesive than what we already had. All right. So what was some of the processes you've done so far? Because you're still relatively new. I think you're less than a year old, right? Where you guys are officially Maryland 30K? Yeah, we're sitting at, um, you know, close to 150 users. And I think we've been up for about nine months, maybe close to a year. So what have you done to encourage activity on the page and then encourage activity in the community with gaming and that kind of stuff? Um, so a couple things. Uh and this is going to be different depending on where you live. But for me, I knew that there were heresy players, right? Because you go to Nova, and um, you know, which is the big event on the you know Mid Atlantic, and just playing in Nova, I was meeting all sorts of people from Maryland that I had never seen before. Did not play at my local club. Did not play at my local stores but we're all over the state, right? So I know that people travel for Nova and I was thinking, well, I don't know any of these people, uh, but obviously everybody's got Facebook. They've got uh, a lot of people have social media access. So I decided to, you know, build a, well, look for a Facebook page, right? So look for Maryland 30K or any version of that. And there was nothing at the time. So I went ahead and created it and then uh, invited every pretty much everybody that I knew that played 30K in Maryland, invited them into the group. Um, so you got to kind of like, for me, we kind of assessed the current state of where we're at. I knew, you know, a dozen dudes that played 30K on a fairly routine basis that were all within probably 50 miles of me. Um, there were two or three stores that everybody had preference on. Um, invited all these other folks in, right? And then start the conversation. Um, hey, what kind of games is everybody interested in? Would you be interested in, you know, single one-off events that have no, um, that you can just show up and play and there's no impact on a narrative? Or would you like to play a series of events that build a narrative and, you know, throw, throw polls out there? Um, people came back and said, for the most part, they want to be able to play, uh, you know, a series of events that have a running narrative, right, that build up over time. Uh, from there, you know, I I looked at it like, hey, this thing's just beginning. I know people are all over the state. And in fact, I, we ended up inviting people down in, uh, obviously, in Richmond, so down in Virginia, uh, people up in Pennsylvania, West Virginia are all part of the group, right? So it's more of a tri-state, quad-state area, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. But... Uh, starting small and realistic, right? So what I initially decided was, hey, we'll run one event. I found a, a local game store that I knew ha had the capacity to run a larger event um, that some of these 30K players played up. Um, hit up the person that manages events there, said, hey, I'm looking at running a 30K event in your store. What does that take? Is there a cost? We want to do prize support and all that kind of stuff. Work that out with that location. Um, post it on Facebook. You know, a good. I think we posted the first event three months ahead of time, right? To give people plenty of time. Yeah. Notice that hey, this thing is happening, right? Um, and then starting out small. So for our first event, we ran an 1850, so relatively small, 
game where you got three games of 1850 and there were some optional zone mortalis elements in there as well um, we were lucky we were coming straight off of nova so we ran it in december nova was in you know labor day weekend that same year so there was still a lot of momentum hobby momentum and people still knew each other you know um and then ran that event right everybody was posting work in progresses of uh their armies as we we're going up it was made up clear up front that it's fully painted you don't show up with half painted shit um, because we wanted to maintain that standard uh, that the yeah, you know, wanted to set that early set and keep it going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, and from there I was really surprised. So our first event, we got, I think like 16 or 18 people. Um, and part of that, the other thing we did was we threw uh, kind of blasted out emails to different podcasts, right? So radio free is fun. I of course, podcast um where we know that there's a, a large listener base and so you know the first we posted the event in facebook and then i, sh- I shot an email to radio free Bon. i know ryan um over there and they did a shout out for us and no kidding uh within a day of them doing a shout out i went from having i think maybe 10 players signed up to five or six other people all mostly from pennsylvania um who joined my Facebook group and then joined the event. So they heard of, of it from a podcast. They said, Hey, that's a two hour drive. We could make that. And then they signed up for it and they, they showed up. Outstanding. Um, yeah. And that, that never would have happened if, if he, if he's tried to do everything internally and don't reach out to the community, you may or may not have good success, right. Depending on where, where your starting point is. Um, so that was kind of critical. Um, and you know, we ran that event. Everybody seemed to have a really good time. So when it comes time to run this next event, we're running a doubles event in April. Uh, I had a ton of people sign up for it. We're sitting at 15 teams right now. So, you know, 30 people have signed up for an event. Um, if that may grow a little bit more. And we decided, hey, we'll run this thing quarterly. So every quarter we're going to try to run an event, big or small, whatever it is, just to keep things going. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. Uh, yeah, that's solid, dude. Three months is what we started with, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that was good because it gave people time to paint stuff and think about changing lists and that kind of stuff in between, you know, your activity. Yeah. Um, you know, and a, a couple other things. So you got to find accomplices, right? So if you if you're sitting at home and you're playing like. Uh, games in your garage or your basement and you probably have you know four or five or ten dudes that play with you right you probably have a strong group of accomplices like people that share this you know they share the same interest um if you guys are saying hey man can we grow this thing or we want to do a bigger event then you got to find people that are willing to help out um you know even if it's hey can you write the narrative can another person might write the actual uh mission packs Another person might be responsible for securing the venue and the date and all that kind of stuff and doing Facebook updates. Um, Try to find other people that are willing to help build the community. Um, Find other event organizers in the area that are willing to help out. So I was really lucky. uh, Mark Rayleigh, one of the Grand Legion guys, and several other Grand Legion guys live close to, or they live in Maryland. So for our first event, uh, Mark showed up with a bunch of terrain, which is the same terrain that you're going to see at Nova or Adepticon. He didn't show up with all of it, obviously, but he showed up with some choice pieces to help build out the tables and make them look good, right? 
Yeah, so, and I definitely immediately recognized him. I was like, hey, I know that. I know that piece of that Crash Thunderhawk that Mike always brings. Exactly. And you're giving him an opportunity to play, right? So by reaching out to other EOs who, you know, you know that um, say you're out in Vegas or you're out west and you know the LVO guys or some of the guys that run LVO, um, they may be willing to help out a little bit on your smaller events, whether it's putting the word out there or lending you terrain, um, just for the simple fact that they might be able to actually play a game instead of having to run an event. And that's kind of a big deal because a lot of these guys, once you get into running events, you almost kind of always be that guy that's running the event, right? And you don't really get a chance to play as much. Yeah, exactly. I know that I've had – I at the beginning, I was able to play with and that because we were doing smaller points of like 500 points or 1,000 points. But as events grew, like 3,000 points, I would just had to sit there and watch and monitor and everything. You know what I mean? Because I just – I would not be able to invest my full attention into a 3,000-point game and still run an event. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing, you know, accomplices would be like these stores, right? So you may live in a town that only has – one store that everybody games in, or maybe that's the main store for the whole region. In Maryland, uh, at least in Southern Maryland and up near Baltimore and stuff, there's probably a half a dozen stores, but not all of them are large, right? So you have like three or four GW stores, which are all the storefront ones that have one or two tables. And then you have two or three pretty decent, friendly local game stores, um, which is great, but that also kind of divides the community because you have different groups in different places. And sometimes it's hard to get people to travel a little bit, um, even if it's 45 minutes an hour to come game. So I'd recommend if you're looking at, if you're in a similar situation where there's different venues, um, you know, go to those different stores, meet whoever runs the events there and then be flexible, right? So be willing to set your events up at places that you're not necessarily comfortable with, but that also help uh, grow the community, right? Um, or bring more people in. And so far, uh, for Maryland, we haven't had the opportunity. We're, we're running our first two events at the same store, but I fully intend to expand that, right? Um, you know, moving up to Baltimore, stores up in Baltimore oh, kind of opens up the Western Maryland guys a little bit more because it's not as much of a drive. Yeah. Um, so if you're in that situation, be willing to move to different stores. You know, if you're running it once a quarter, maybe do a different store every quarter, if that works for you. Yeah. Now, I know for us, when we started, this was back before Betrayal of Kalth and Burning of Prospero. So it was a much smaller community. We had a lot of people who were interested and very, very interested in the rules and the themes and all that, but they didn't have the models. So for us, we ended up allowing people to use their 40K armies in 30K events. And, you know, they understood that they would eventually be swapping out models and that kind of stuff as things happen. But they were still very small events where it was like maybe 10, jeez, 10 is probably even a much, maybe six, right? Six people um, and from all over Virginia. But then Burning of Prospero, or I'm sorry, Betrayal of Kalth came out and that changed the game entirely. We then had a huge influx of players who were able to start out in Heresy for much cheaper. Um, and we saw a bunch of growth at that time. Uh, we went, I think, from 17 people on the Facebook page to over like, I want to say 40 or 50 people just 
at the release of Betrayal of Kalf, which was positive. In my opinion, it was positive. We saw a lot of good people come from Betrayal of Kalf. I know there was a huge, you know, uproar and thinking like a lot of the, the 40 K whack people are going to come over and, you know, now that it's cheaper and that, which was the case. But once you started making things like your models must be fully painted a rule, those people quickly dropped off because they were not interested in painting. They were not interested in the hobby. They were people who were 40K players, just like trying to pose as 30K players just for the rules. You know what I mean? Just so they could find yeah. Death Stars yep. or break rules and that kind of stuff and win tournaments when they found out that, oh, 30K doesn't have tournaments. They only have narrative events. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what we did. Because the Betrayal of Kalth was launched, uh, was we started hosting events every three months, and we would increase in 500 points. And our first event was uh, not required to be painted. We just wanted people to come out with and try the rules out. Um, and that was, I think, 500 points. It was a small little bit. So I think that was like your tactical squads in an HQ. is pretty much what everybody had. Or maybe they threw in a Terminator or something like that. Um but that was really cool because you got to test the water and see what people were interested in in that. And we slowly escalated from there. And then the next event was 1,000 points. And then after that, it was 1,500 points. And then we started to make it more important to be painted. So if you didn't have a painted army, painted armies would get preferred enemy against you, which was a good way we found to balance people and like make them want to paint their stuff. I mean, having your whole enemy or having your entire opponent have preferred enemy against you because you just didn't paint your stuff was a huge, you know, they're like, well, dang, all I had to do was paint my stuff and I probably wouldn't have lost that game or something, you know? And yeah, and uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting point because I, th I think, you know, that goes back to being flexible. The idea that, hey, you got to give a little to get a little. And I would argue that Richmond, you guys have a very high painting standard whenever I go to your events everybody has very well painted armies you may not have had all the players that you have right now if you weren't willing to you know let that stuff go to help build the community initially and then people kind of got inoculated to the culture that hey i should probably paint my shit because now it's more important um and i'm the guy that everybody's looking at if i don't paint it yeah exactly and yeah i mean i think we do have really well painted armies uh, it's always fun and it always, you know, when you go, we go to the store and we have an event day, our tables are always the one people are around because they know that's where they're going to see. Even if we, even if the 30 K people just go play pickup games, they know the 30 K tables are the ones they want to look at because those have really well painted, really cool themed armies. You know what I mean? Oh, for um, sure. Whereas then you look around and you see the 40K people and they just, you know, they, they're just all about the rules and the competitiveness behind it. I, I think, uh, I think Will and Ryan, you guys bring up a really good point, man, which is, I think, Will, you're talking a little bit more about maintaining the community, like where heresy is right now. And uh, Ryan's definitely, you know, we're talking about how do you build it from scratch? And it, it just really depends on where you are, right? Like, where do you fall into... The, the broader heresy community. And I think the first thing is you, you have to realize you are part of a larger community, right? Like if you play uh, Warhammer 30K, the Horse Heresy, anywhere in the world, you're part of a community, right? And it's just about how do you plug into that? And um, I think the first thing is you got to find a place to play. And, you know, if, you, if you're blessed like we are in richmond you've got battlegrounds 
um, and you know a ton of open table gaming space and and these guys go out and they let us play games on their tables and you know that's not going to be everybody's experience everywhere because especially now that the the Horus Heresy has moved away from Warhammer 40k right like you you're going to have to approach these store owners differently um because they're not going to be pushing product to you right like there may be a, a box of betrayal of calth or then there may be a box of burning of prospero but um yeah i don't know man i just don't know what the relationship between gw proper and uh forge world the horse heresy is going to be so if you're if you're lucky enough to have that friendly local game store that's going to give you table space to host your event because you, you've got to have events. Um, then, you know, just support those guys, man, support them with, you know, buying the, the paints, the hobby stuff, uh, the crossover boxes, the fucking terrain. Um, but, but don't take those guys for granted, man, because if you've got a place to play, if you've got an event venue that you don't have to go out and, and fucking rent, uh, like from a hotel, um, then, you know, like Ryan said, man, and, and like we do in Richmond, the, the, you know, those guys are key. Um, they are your accomplice. They're your, they're your, uh, you know, into the community and hosting those events. Um, yeah, absolutely. You got to build a, a rapport with those store owners. If you've got them, you know what I mean? You can't abuse them and expect them to work for you. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? Yeah. And if you're not lucky enough to have a local game store in your area, and you've got to go out and find an event, you may just have to, like, hitch your fucking bandwagon or hitch your banner to, uh, like, a historical gaming event. You know, don't be afraid to get out there and be like, oh, there's some dudes that are playing 15-millimeter bolt action in my community. You know what? I'm going to jump on their bandwagon, and I'm going to have a couple tables, and, you know, we're going to do heresy um, because... You know, man, the, the most important thing is at the end of the day, you're bringing people together and you're playing the fucking game and you're having a good time and you're putting painted armies on the table. Um, I mean, I, I really think that, that that's, that's the end of the day, uh, how you build that community. And, uh, you know, like I said, Heresy is a global community. If you guys can't find somebody local, people travel fucking people are crazy. I think the people in Pennsylvania are the most crazy. Like, Yo, bros in Pennsylvania, you guys might actually have enough people to actually like fucking open a game store and have your own community because we've got Joe coming down to uh, play games with us in Richmond. And apparently there's a bunch of people going to Maryland to play games with Ryan. So uh, hey, if you're in Pennsylvania and you're playing Heresy uh, props because you guys are uh, you guys are making the making the travels. Yeah. And they go up to New Jersey, too. So I mean, they're they're, Maniacs. they're all over yeah. the place. Well, yeah, that's good. Does um do any anybody have any questions? I guess that we might not have addressed that you think somebody out there in the global community might have, or any of our listeners. Well, I'll I'll say this right. So you need to assess where you're at, right? So I, I mean, you listen to other po- podcasts, um, and sometimes you hear you know when they're reading mail or whatever, you got somebody who's the only guy within 300 miles who loves heresy, found out about it from the books or whatever, used to play 40K or still plays 40K. 
and can't get 30k going because in their community nobody wants to make the switch and that may be the case so you just have to assess the situation and maybe 30k is a secondary game for you maybe you make a habit of playing 30k armies in those 40k events if that's the most popular game system in your area and hope that people think hey that's a really cool army uh or you're playing something off the wall like solar ox or mechanicum that just looks completely different but you're playing it in 40k uh that may be necessary or you just have to be willing to travel you may have to be willing to go a little bit further to you know get that fix um but know that just like dave said i mean you are part of a community there are dozens of podcasts there are forums facebook groups everywhere um, and maybe that's just a good opportunity for you to refine your hobby and become a part of the community that way and look for opportunities um, to travel or, or attend events that are within your means. Okay, Absolutely. But, yeah, very good. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate all that, man. But, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. And we'll be back. We are joined by Jason and David for Heresy Grad School. We're going to finish up this uh, mech. What what are they? Remind me of their name, Jason. Uh, the Jawarkad. The Jawarkad. Go ahead. They are Tithe to the Thousand Suns. Tithe to the Thousand Suns. Yep, that's who we're finishing up. The Jawarkad, Tithe to the Thousand Suns, everybody. Jason, take it away. So, welcome back to another uh, edition of Heresy Grad School. So, before we get started, I just gotta say, I sat down tonight and I was looking through, this is on page 178, getting started here. I thought this was going to be a short one. I thought about even calling it, like, Heresy Grad School Extra Credit, you know, for, like, just a little short nugget of fun info. Because it's only across maybe four pages or so in the book, but... I swear, this just lends credence to my theory that the Forge World folks that write this stuff must be the same people that sit down and think, like, J.R.R. Tolkien's Cimmerillion was a little light on details. I love going through some of this stuff, because Zestabiax as a whole did not have a whole lot of influence on the heresy. But even so, they even refer to it as a tiny, tiny Titan Legion. Uh, it's rated as a militaris-grade tertius, which means it has less than 100 god engines. But they still go into so much detail in fleshing out this tiny little backwater legion. I'm a huge fan. But anywho, uh, let's dive into it here. So just like on the Zhao Arcade, uh, they've got an awesome little quote on the title page for Legio Zestabiax. This is from the Grandmaster Volcus of Ordo Sinister. Uh in truth, a titan has only three enemies against which it must guard. Folly, hubris, and another of its own kind. Now, a little uh, later on, we'll figure out Hold how... Hold on, I want to pause, because that is a pretty fucking powerful quote, if you think about it. Right? That Those really are the vulnerabilities of, like, the hubris. If you... Man, that'll cause a precept to just fucking make the wrong choices all the time. And what's really terrific is that definitely bears a lot more weight uh, towards the very end here, where we figure out what ends up happening to Legio Zestabiax at the burning of Prospero. It comes back around, full circle. It's good stuff. So, uh, getting a little 
background information on the Legio here. We kind of mentioned them passingly when we were talking about in the two-part Zhao Arcade, but uh, they're starting off with the rest of the Zhao expeditionary fleet when they get into the system. It's this little Mechanicum Explorator fleet. Learned all about it the last couple of times. But this is Zestabiak's The Iron Vigil. A little bit of background. They're uh, purple, white, and gold. Kind of Emperor's children-y. Jason, what I think is really cool about the uh, Zestabiaks is that their patent is derived pre-unification, right? So we talked about this a little bit before, but like these uh, these Titan Legions are... um, the reason we have so many different Titan Legions and the reason that Titan Legions are not tied to a specific uh, Legio Astartes is because a lot of them were discovered during the Great Crusade, right? So these Titan Legions were, were launching from Mars as part of these arc exploratory fleets, like, like rediscovering the galaxy while... Um, Terra and humanity was was like in the depths of the age of strife, like like might not have come back. Oh, absolutely. And what's entertaining? This is around a hundred titans that were sent out, and that's considered a tiny, like the smallest grade of Legio is a hundred titans. Which raises what's, the question: What's the largest then? Yeah, exactly. That was my question. Yeah, are we talking like? 10,000 titans now is is like mid-grade or something that is a good question because i would imagine the original uh three titan legions are the ones formed straight from mars or called the triad ferrum morgulus but uh they were the original three i imagine they're the biggest and funny fact uh legio mortis one of those three actually gets its ass kicked by legio zestabiax when they try to assault them on prospero but uh we will get to that in a bit. So, anywho, Zestabiax here, they're set up to defend the Zhao Arkad Forge, and that's entirely what their Legio revolves around. Uh, what's interesting is the Legio actually kind of mirrors the isolationist policies of the Zhao Arkad Forge world. They're not, they're still controlled by a Grand Marshal like any other Titan Legio, but they are a lot more independent. Each one of their little stations are taken over by what's called a Princept Warden. Each one of these Princept Wardens holds over a Vigil of Titans, which is one, two, three manibles, and each one of those Princept Wardens reports to the Grand Marshal. But what's interesting, as they become more isolated, because their postings are... Some of them have been at the same posts for millennia or more, and they start to become very independent of the Grand Marshal, who's more or less just a figurehead by the time the Thousand Suns end up discovering them. But there are not a whole lot of Titans on the actual planet, uh, the main planet of the Zhao system, because of that hyper-oxidative atmosphere we talked about the last couple of times. So that's another thing that kind of breaks them up into these smaller garrisons. Uh, Mainly, they're stationed on Arcod 3, which is a moon. And then you've got smaller garrisons on each of the servile colony. But uh, each one of these vigils, they start to become decorated in their own right. Uh, each vigil made up of these few maniples, uh, they start to accumulate their own honors. They start to become independent, and they start to become very uh, possessive of each of those stations. 
each one of them kind of operates alone, and they develop their own little personalities and idiosyncrasies. Again, mimicking that uh, isolation of the Zawarkad forge veins down on the planet. But, uh, so, let's talk material strength. Like we said, uh, it's a tertius grade, it's less than 100 engines, and all of them are warlord or smaller. Another interesting thing, they're mostly made up of reavers and warlords. They actually have a very small number of warhound titans, they're kind of actually looked down on by the other princeps as sort of a waste of resources. There's the entire point of the Iron Vigil Legio is to defend these colonies, mostly from Eldar raiders. So there's not a whole lot of scouting going on. They're seen as kind of a waste of their already really limited resources. And most of these reavers and warlords don't have to move so much to defend all of these little vigil stations. So those are a lot more popular among the precepts. Hey, Jason, can we just like talk a little bit about the importance, I think, of, of where the Zhaoarkad are and then the fact that they're basically constantly going up against Eldar radars, right? So like the Zhaoarkad are basically on the edge of the Segmentum Tempestus. So in the galactic south uh, of, the, uh, of, the, of the galaxy, right? So right up mm -hmm. on the Veiled region. And they are just constantly under attack by Dark Eldar, Eldar. It's kind of not, you know, it's, it's not quantified at this point, um, you know, if they're Eldar or Dark Eldar. Um, but the fact that they are facing Eldar Revenant Titans, Eldar Titans of different classes, like they're not really looking for Warhound scouting action really looking at, you know, staying power and uh, being able to, to, you know, fight back and hit heavy. Another good point about those constant Eldar raids, the different vigils are bringing back uh, Xenos artifacts from some of these felled titans and gifting them as, to some of the larger forge fanes. Like we talked last time about Iminari and Kiari are two of the larger ones uh, to fuel that illicit research they've got going on. Uh, with different psycho-reactive materials uh, fueling the uh, Psychana Automata that they've got going on. And also we touched last time on the iron cores that they were developing uh, from Xenos artifacts, which come back again here. And uh, those uh, are Just a quick question, Professor. Um, sure. Do they ever give, like, total legio losses during these defense actions? Like, if they were sent out with 100, did they maintain all 100? throughout their separation from Terra and Mars? They don't. Uh, they do mention they start out at less than 100 engines when they're discovered by the Thousand Suns. By the end of the burning of Prospero, they have little less than 50. Okay, so more than 50, but less than 100. That's pretty good, actually. I think those are pretty good odds, considering they were separated for thousands of years. Oh, yeah, millennia. But... Um, these iron cores are something that gives them a terrific advantage. Of course, like everything else, uh, all this hidden technology and stuff they develop, the details are really vague. But a lot of them are fitted in Iron Vigil Titans, and they're said to channel the knowledge and experience of the fallen crew. It's kind of like a machine spirit turned up to 11. Yeah. And they're said to be much more reliable than the uh, Iminari uh, Psycho-Reactive Automata like the uh, Castellax Achaea. Uh, and it allows Titans to operate with this almost like 
again, like a machine spirit maniple turned up to 11 of terrific like experience and even from a smaller crew it allows them to have much fewer many fewer uh crewmen on the same size of titans which is pretty interesting yeah jason like that like i was imagining this because if you've read it all into the titan fluff like you know the the mind impulse unit the miu is how the um yeah it's how the precepts uh, communicates with the titan and the Titans are, and, and Knights as well, are described in the lore as having sort of like communal memory, right? Like memory dating back to its its origin, no matter how many battles it's been in, you know, over millennia. And so the, the Precepts is able to kind of like plug in and access that historical archive, that memory, that, that kind of physicality, that, that visceral memory. Yeah, um, uh, some Titans can like remember previous opponents that they might have fought or lost against you know they, they hold grudges yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah and so the way i'm, I'm imagining these uh legio zextabiax uh machines that have been fitted with these iron cores is like um there may only be a precepts and maybe one moderati or maybe there aren't any moderati maybe there's just a precepts and an iron core and he's like communicating directly with the miu and the machine spirit and like he's controlling a warlord titan fucking independently man i mean it doesn't go into that level of depth but it kind of like leaves it to the imagination but it's kind of the way i'm taking it i don't know jason what do you think that sounds more or less like exactly what they're trying to suggest because one of the things they touch on after the thousand suns show up and quote unquote you know free the Zhao Arkad and bring them into the fold of the Imperium, the only real reinforcements Zestabiax sees are what's called the Prospering Vigil. It's about a dozen brand new, like right off the line Titans that are set up on Prospero and uh, every one of them shows uh, evidence recovered like after the burning that they were fitted with these iron cores. And again, it allows them to operate with a much smaller crew and with like almost a network hive mind, like skill and coordination. But uh, they also mentioned there's a downside too from like recovered pick captures and vid feeds and stuff. Uh, they were apparently prone to a bunch of like crazy malfunctions and some pretty bizarre phenomena. Uh, just like the kind of plague the Imanari Castellax. Uh, like there are mass crew hallucinations. Uh, they talk about poltergeist activity and a crazy like temperature fluctuations. So like some psychic stuff that happens. Oh yeah, like crazy ghosts yeah. in the machine. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that whole those whole uh, Elder Titans, I mean, I think they're like all, I don't know much, but I think they're like bonded with spirits and shit like that and ghosts or whatever. So... Yeah, you're messing with witchy poo tech. That's bound to happen, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's more or less inevitable. I mean, that's how they bind their their wraith lords. Is essentially, it's like an automata that has like the soul of a warrior bound to a stone in its chest. I mean, yeah, there's some messed up stuff. All right, now speaking of that prospering vigil, let's get into the details there because this is probably the most entertaining part of the entire history of Zestabiax. So if you remember uh, back to last time, we talked about the emissary sent from Zhao Arkad to Prospero itself. Kind of set up shop there. Um, 
he was the former head of the Iminari Forge, a guy, well, quote-unquote guy, a uh, machine beast called Tacticus Proctor. And he was more or less the supreme domini of Zhao Arkad. This is like her right-hand dude. So he ends up on Prospero, uh, and he has this massive underground complex, which Dave mentioned last time, a lot of the dudes on Prospero took cues from him and started building these underground bunker complexes. But the dude essentially hides this entire Titan Legion in the Prospering Wastelands, which during the burning of Prospero, uh, Legio Mortis, which is still loyal to the throne world at the time, they're actually denied a place in the main assault on Tisca. So they figure, hey, we'll go after this little tiny, you know, backwater hillbilly Titan Legion and just pick on them. You know, it'll give us something to do until Valdor and Russ call us back to mop up at Tisca. But uh, so they go after the Zestabiac subforge, and this is way out in the, the prospering wastelands. But little did they know, uh, this dude Tacticus Proctor has essentially been sitting in here building a crazy underground warren of like overlapping uh, tons of like rock and steel, multi-layered uh, geller fields and void shields and stuff. And one, he uh, wants to keep out those crazy flying scarab things, the Psychnuine, kind of, you know, feed on psychic energy and it'll lay psychic eggs in your brain. That's not great for like, you know. Hold up. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? Are there crazy creatures on (laughs) Prospero that lay eggs in your brain? Yeah. Have you never read uh, Graham McNeil's Thousand Sons? Yeah, I totally did. It's good stuff. They're giant psychic scarabs that use rudimentary like telepathy to transport eggs into your brain, if you're a psyker. And then their larvae eat your brain from the inside out. It's what almost wiped out the... Uh, oh my god. Almost wiped out the pros- population of Prospero before Magnus showed up. Holy fuck. But what's even greater is after the Space Wolves blow the crap out of Prospero, not only do those psychic newing come back, but now they're ghosts. But they still eat your brains. A bunch of white scars have to deal with them. It's pretty funny stuff. Jesus, what a plague on the planet. Right? So that's essentially what this giant bunker complex was built to keep out. But also, Tactus Proctor was pretty paranoid. And he had more or less nothing to do on Prospero besides research crazy psychic Eldar technology and build, like, underground bunker complexes and it even mentions that it survives the initial bombardment that wiped out like 90 percent of prospero except for tiska and this bunker complex it was more or less untouched and it didn't have a bunch of telepaths and telkines like with the crazy psychic shield over the city but uh so yeah uh legio mortis uh used to kind of not kicking over sandcastles and uh strutting their business uh, they try to assault this tiny little backwater subforge uh, defended by Zestabiax. And Zestabiax, all of their titans are concealed in these little um, armored underground bunkers. And they're backed up by uh, Togmata Mechanicum forces that are more or less suicidally committed to Tacticus Proctor. And uh, even though Zestabiax is. Uh, their prospering vigil is like greatly outclassed by both uh, the tonnage, experience, uh, all of these crazy things. They have so much experience at defending. I mean, they've essentially been blowing up Eldar Titans for centuries. 
They've gotten really good at this. And they've got these brand new black iron cores that allow them like all this crazy psychic witchery going on. And they actually defeat uh, Legio Mortis, one of the big bad original uh, Triad Pharaoh Morgulis straight from Mars. And send them packing. Now, admittedly, a little bit later, uh, the Emperor ships in the Ordo Sinister and kind of, you know, wipe out everything that's left. But it is the moral victory for Legio Zestabiax. Yeah, that's insane. Such a tiny little legion taking on Legio Mortis like that, man. Yeah, it was only coming out on top, you know? So, question, Jason. What is uh, the Legio's, like, preferred titan? Like, I know some Legios have preferred, like, they prefer Warhounds or, like, uh, you'll see more Reavers, for instance. Yeah. So, they mentioned specifically the uh, Reaver Titan is the most popular. Uh, they're not a big fan of Warhounds because they're Scout Titans and a defensive legion. Not great. But also, back on Jao Arkad, they're really strapped for any source, any uh, resources they can get their hands on. So, Warlords are probably a little expensive for them to build. But they really like Reaver Titans because they're a lot heavier than Eldar Titans. And they can keep up with them. And still do plenty of damage. Cool. Do we have any figures on uh, how many, like what the casualties were between the uh, Legio Mortis and them? Well, they say Legio Mortis more or less matched them in number of Titans, but uh, seeing as how they defeated Legio Mortis, I'd say at least a dozen. Well, so they were already in a defensive position, and they're a defensive Legio, so clearly they were playing on their strong points, right? Oh, absolutely. But, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's like having a you know major league NFL team come and fight like a college football team. It's kind of unfair. Yeah, right. You're like, oh, that they're totally gonna win, right? Oh, absolutely. Just having the Raiders face off against like you know again Virginia Tech. That'll end yeah. up end up great. Yeah, I think my favorite part of this is is uh, what happens after Prospero because. Um, the the match between uh, Mortis and Zestabiax basically forced Mars's hand, and Mars issued a separate censure against the Forge world of Zawar Kod and the Legio Zestabiax. So this is completely separate from the censure of uh, you know the Emperor and the Burning of Prospero. So basically, Mars issues a separate censure before the heresy starts. And this, like, censure fleet is launched out, but it never makes it to Zawarkad because, of course, um, the heresy becomes known and uh, Horus's sort of machinations become widespread. And because of Zawarkad's, like, galactic distance from uh, Terra and the throne world, um, you know, none of this Mars censure fleet ever makes it to Zawarkad. So Zawarkad just, like, basically fucking secedes from the Imperium and they're and they're left alone for uh for thousands and thousands of years. Um just kind of operating on their own in this like um I guess shadow state, you know, like uh hey we're not with the traders, we're not with the Imperium, we're just kinda operating out here on our own until they're eventually rediscovered um by the Imperium uh many many thousands of years later i think it's um can't remember exactly what year it is but it's it's mentioned in the uh imperial armor volume 11 the doom of my miara um on page 90 that 
uh, Zhao Arkad is, is recently rediscovered and brought back into the Imperium and like sort of no harm, no foul, right? Like all, uh, it, all is forgiven. Um, as long as you're not with chaos, you're now back in the Imperium, right? Like you're, you're back on the bench, man. That's huge, dude. That's so mean, cool. The Imperium isn't like, they don't forgive that easily most of the time, you know? No, no. So it makes you wonder, like, when when they're finally rediscovered, you know, what their, uh, you know, what their strength is. Yeah, like, what is their position where they're just so, like, are they that weak that they're like, please, we'll just take any help we can get at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's... What, to me, what's what's so cool about this story, man? I, I don't, I'll let you do this, but like, what's so cool about this is like the 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 story of Zhao Arkad and the Legios Estebiax didn't just start in the Horus Heresy book seven. Um, so you can go back into Imperial Armor eleven, and you can go back into actually the um, fuck is it the Imperial Knight Codex sixth uh, edition, and it's got. It's got a mention for Zhao Arkad, which means that the, the, the writers, the, the Black Library writers, the, the Horse Heresy Forge World writers have been kicking around um, this idea of Zhao Arkad, right? This like this this kind of heretical on the fringe Forge World that's cranking out these badass titans um, for years and years and years. And uh, they just kind of keep it on the shelf, and they just like sprinkle it in every once in a while. It's like, uh, hey, we're doing a uh, we're doing a book seven. Hey, let's like uh, sp- sprinkle in a little, uh, you know, crazy psychic titan legion, um, which is it's just so cool. I mean, the Easter eggs are, are are one of my favorite things about the lore, and being able to connect the dots back through, um, you know, the Heresy book seven to Imperial Armor eleven to Imperial Knight Codex six. Like that's my favorite part of this shit, man. I I, I love it. So yeah, absolutely. It makes the universe feel alive, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Jason, back to you, man. That is pretty much it for the Legio Zestabiax. They get a uh, wiped out by the Ordo Sinister, but they uh, force Mars's hand into admitting they're a problem. And really, I think that's the greatest victorious death a traitor Legio can ask for. Well, the. They get wiped out on Prospero, so that on Prospero, that that Iron Vigil, that Vigil get gets wiped out, which is like admittedly like it's a third of their, probably twenty twenty Titans, and probably the best of them um, went with the Thousand Sons to Prospero to form that Vigil. But I mean, there's for sure like Legios Estebiax Titans still operational in the Zhao Arkad system. Um, up until they're rediscovered. So if you want to play a Legio Zestabiax fucking Titan, you guys have it, man. And I hope to see you on the field. What was it again? Purple, gold, and white. Emperor's Children colors. Yeah. Those are such royal colors, too. Like, I feel that's always been royalty is purple and gold. The only thing that that I wish I that I wish we had gotten in this book seven, and I'm I'm okay that we didn't. Like it's it's okay. The only thing I wish we had gotten was special rules for a iron core titan. I think that would have been fucking cool. Just to see what that might have looked. That would have been yeah. a little more practical than one giant psychic warlord. <laughs> <laughs> Legio Sinister. All right, so let's play a game then, real quick, right? Let's wish list some stuff. What do you think? After reading the text that you have, what would you imagine some comparable rules could be? Like, how would you translate 
leading or needing less crew into an iron core or from an iron core into the game. I would imagine just a downsized version of the Ordo Sinister Warlord. It seems like it would even work kind of better at a smaller level for like a Reaver or even a Warhound, even though they weren't that popular. And uh, it'd be a lot more practical to fit into a game. But but doesn't the like doesn't the Ordo Sinister Warlord Titan actually like shoot out psychic attacks? Oh yeah, yeah totally. It does. So yeah. healing. Yeah, so like I don't I don't know, Jason, and, and this could just be me. Like I don't see it like that. What I see it as is like probably faster um, reaction time. So because you're linked into the MI psychic kind of like precognitive level, I'm almost thinking like maybe higher ballistic skill, higher initiative. Um, sort of just, you know, quicker, faster, uh, reaction time rather than throwing out psychic attacks because the, the Ordo Sinister Titan, man, that's, that's some fucking dark art arts right there, dude. <laughs> some bounded, like, uh, bounded psychers. That's some, that's some, uh, that's some witchcraft right there. I don't know. So what do you like? That, that is a good idea or probably playing more on their defensive role also. You know, just in the whole legios, that's something I would like to see. If we ever do get the, uh, uh, ah, shit, what's the Titan game? Oh, we'll definitely get it. Adeptus Titanicus. You know, yes, when we get Adeptus Titanicus, getting legios with special rules that actually emphasize the way they are in books, man, that would be solid. I'd love to see that. Definitely. I think for the Iron Core, though, in 30k, 28mm, David, I think you're right. Probably initiative, or maybe give, like, all their Titans... The ability to, uh, like, maybe move, shoot, move. I don't know. Oh, that'd be to, cool. To yeah, represent their... the Eldar theme. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't really know how much more you can change a Titan with that. Because, uh, you know, on the table, you're not really dealing with... You don't have to make leadership checks to make sure your Moriarty can target something or anything like that, you know? Exactly, yeah. See, if you did, if if all Titans had to do, like, leadership checks to fire weapons to see if the crew was responding or anything like that, if that was a default on all Titans, then you throw an Iron Core on something and you no longer have to make those checks, there you go. That gives the Iron Core purpose. So I think in its, its current form, though, I don't know if it really has a purpose other than, like you said, higher ballistic skill or something. Yeah. But yeah, good stuff guys. Thank you very much. Really cool. Um, so that's going to conclude, uh, this series of, uh, heresy grad school. Uh, we'll be back next week. Jason should have something for us. If not, it'll be the week after and, uh, we'll start on something else. Really good stuff. And we'll see if we can turn that into three episodes. We'll see how long we can milk these for. You know, they only have seven books. We got to milk every story for what we can, guys. Dude, this entire thing was out of three pages. I think we got Fuck, we got plenty of content then. Okay. Yeah. Quite well. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I guess not. Three pages. Damn. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll be back with plugs. All right. plugs and uh events so uh, let's go ahead and start up david do you have any plugs um i do i just have a two quick plugs man uh, my first plug is for uh lexiconum uh lexiconum is an online resource anybody who doesn't know um if you've ever googled anything lore related i think you you probably know what i'm talking about but it's like the um it's the living encyclopedia for warhammer 
both 40k and 30k um and you you can actually get an account just like wikipedia um you register for an account and then you too can become a keeper of the lore so if you're reading something fucking cool in the black books and it's not in lexiconum um you can go ahead and submit it and your submission will become part of the sort of online encyclopedia for the um, greater Warhammer um, Horse Heresy 40K universe. Um, I think it's something that is a remarkably useful tool for the community. I know I've used it. It let me sort of connect the dots between all the Legios, Estabiax, and Zhao Arkad um, Easter eggs. So there are people out there doing God's work um, or the Emperor's work or War Master's work. Uh, wherever your proclivities lay. Um, so yeah, if you're one of those guys that just loves to read the lore, um, man, get a fucking Lexiconum account. Give those guys a shout out. They're doing they're doing great work. Yeah, definitely good. What else you got, David? Just the pregame location for all our D43 billiards. Great fucking place. Great people. Um, if you're going to join us for the event next Saturday, um, we'll be at billiards. At probably eleven o'clock. Yeah, we will. Coming to right attire. Make yep. sure you bring your hats. All right, Pat. What do you got to plug, man? Um, I guess calling kind of off of Dave. Uh, just wanted to plug uh, Battlegrounds for you know. Thanks for hosting our thirty k community. Yeah, awesome dudes, man. They are always so accommodating, and oh, it yeah. is cool that after seeing us do this for like a year, we've finally getting some of the store employees to get in on it too so that also helps with community if you build a camaraderie you can even get the store people to be a part of it and they that makes them a little bit more invested into it you know yeah and i mean they're they're always friendly when i walk in there i know a couple of guys that say hey pat what's up you here for a game um just a shout out saying thanks again guys for for being an awesome place for nerds like us to hang out and play the game absolutely robbie what do you got to plug man Nothing today. Nothing today. Save y'all the the trouble. Not the uh, the LARP store or anything like that. You got? Yeah. All right, hold on. I got my uh, my sales lady on the phone here. She's gonna yeah, go ahead. Put, put her on. Hey. Um. So if you guys uh, have a particular weapon that you like and you want it to be made life size, whether it be for a cosplay or you want to hang it up in your uh, dungeon of doom, Chris Invicted Designs can build and make it for you. Uh, our Facebook page is currently down, but you can email us at chrisinvictallc at gmail.com. That's T-H-R-I-S-I-N-V-I-C-T-A-L-L-C at gmail.com. We get your cool stuff to you. Yeah, man, that was the best plug we've had on this cast to date. Yeah, let's just have her. Yeah, from now on, she does all the plugging. You got that, Robbie? Brooke, clear your schedule. Stop <laughs> school. This is your calling. All Sundays. That's her job now. Ryan, what do you got to plug, man? Um, let's see. I think uh, probably eBay. So uh, Machinator248, also known as Blood and Skulls Industry. Yeah. Dude, one of my favorite people to get, like, badass stuff from. Yeah, that's right. So I just picked up, uh, you know, you got your not-ideal plastic contemptors from uh, Betrayal at Kelth. So I picked up a set of posable quarters contemptor legs to go with that set. 
So you can actually pose it and make it a little bit more dynamic, uh, which is really cool. I haven't put it together yet, but it looks really cool. And then also uh, they sell some knight accessories. So I got a big ass rotor chain sword that will replace, you know, the uh, whatever it's called, whatever that D weapon chain sword is on the, the, the Reaper chain sword. Yeah. Yeah. The Reaper chain sword on the plastic knight. So this thing's going to look like a big old freaking aggro mech. Uh, yeah, it's going to be cool. So Blood and Skulls. Yeah. And Wait, that, that was like the big old power saw looking blade, right? That's right. Yeah, dude, that's like it's a fucking lumberjack knight. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for me. Excellent, yeah. Uh, that company, that guy's also great. Uh, Blood and Skulls, everybody knows him. You want to get tracks, uh, that's the place to go. If you want tracks that don't have the Aquilas on them for your Land Raiders, go there. That's the guy, right, Ryan? He, he does a track. Uh, yes, him, all right. same one. Before I accidentally plugged the wrong person, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah that's, does, that's the right one. He does, like, bear tracks, so they match, like, the Sycharins and the Spartans from Forge World that don't have any, like, decoration on the tracks, you know? So, good stuff, man. He's he's putting out stuff that is, like, needed. Um, well, no events or anything this month or this week coming up? Uh, so, uh, Maryland 30K, 14 April, we're doing a doubles event in Glen Burnie, Maryland. 1,500 points per player, 3,000 per team. Uh, you'll get three games out of that, and there are still slots for three teams. So if you're interested, go to Maryland30K on Facebook, join that group, and look up the event. Awesome. Uh, so for Richmond, uh, myself, I'll plug my uh, Lancaster painting on all social medias, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. You'll see my updates there. I'm not amazing, but I enjoy it. Um then uh, I also want to plug the event we have coming up Saturday. Registration has closed, but you can still come out and watch and participate. If you are coming to the event, remember you need to wear – it's St. Patrick's Day, so you've got to wear a stupid-ass St. Patrick's Day hat. And we'll be drinking a lot of billards before and after, so mm-hmm. come ready to have some fun. Um, and you will be required to wear the stupid hat the entire event, so make sure it's a comfortable one. Um, yeah. And, uh, then come, uh, what is it? 14th, April, April. Uh, we've got, uh, still working on it. I got to get the dates down and I'll, I'll clear that up, but that'll be our 2000 point centurion game. So that'll be fun. So get your centurion armies ready. And then after that, uh, in May, we've got a 3000 point big ass mega battle and it's already expected to be 48,000 points on the table. So, uh, Jared, who's running that, he'll, he'll have more detail as things approach that. Um, but yeah, so there we go. Those are the events Richmond's got and then, uh, Maryland's got, so plenty to do out there, hobbyists. So get it in. And I think that's it for us. So thanks. And we'll see you guys next week. Later, guys. Have a good one. See ya.